The Reserve Bank lifts interest rates with a bunch more hikes likely before the end of the year. Billionaire Mike Cannon-Brooks buys into AGL Energy, wanting to disrupt its plans to split into two. And Woolworths warns of higher food prices in coming months. It's Wednesday, the 4th of May, 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. We have a bumper podcast today. You talked about if the Reserve Bank was ever involved in a blockbuster. Yesterday you said this. It would be when they lifted interest rates. Well, obviously they've done that, but so much more going on this morning. Oh, it is an absolute cracker of a day. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. And after the show as well, you're speaking to Sherelle Murphy, the Chief Economist at EY, about the Reserve Bank's decision. But before we get to any of that, let's talk about it ourselves because the Reserve Bank has lifted the official cash rate. And last night, Sean, the big banks led by Commonwealth started announcing they'd pass on the full amount. Yes, the Central Bank Board met yesterday morning and decided enough was enough. Price rises were getting out of control and the Reserve Bank needed to put the brakes on. Actually, the analogy, Michael, is probably more like easing off the accelerator because even after yesterday's 0.25 percentage point hike, rates remain very low in historical terms. There will be more interest rate rises in coming months, and consensus is that the cash rate will be closer to 1.5% by the end of the year. Now, Governor Philip Lowe hinted that a neutral interest rate might be around 2.5%, and that's where the bank wants to eventually get to, though that might take a few years. All right, there's a fair, there's a fair bit to go through in all of this, Sean. Uh, so really, why did the central bank lift the cash rate? In short, because prices have picked up more quickly and to a higher level than expected. There's also evidence that wages are growing, the other prerequisite for the central bank to lift the official cash rate. The unemployment rate is a very low 4%, while labour participation is high. Combined, that will put more pressure on wages. The bank reckons the unemployment rate will fall to 3.5% over the next year, which would be the lowest in 50 years. It's not quite the scenario, is it, Sean, that the central bank rolled out late last year? No, back then they were talking about 2024 for the first rate hike. Governor Lowe was asked about that yesterday in his press conference. He acknowledged that mistake. In short, he said the bank was acting on information that suggested the COVID pandemic would be much, much worse than eventuated. All right, so we're in the middle of the election campaign. What are the implications for all of that? Well, it's only the second time ever that the Reserve Bank has lifted interest rates in an election campaign, the last time being in 2007. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has been running defence for a couple of days now, saying that people understood higher rates weren't his fault. And he talked about the fact that they were imported as a result of what was going on overseas. Interestingly, yesterday, Dr Lowe said the reason for lifting rates included domestic and international factors. Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers laid pretty much all the blame on Mr Morrison, saying his economic credibility was in tatters. Certainly, as the big lenders start passing through rate rises, people will notice their repayments increasing, and that's not going to help the government. Cost of living with higher food prices, petrol prices, even coffee prices, Michael, has become a major issue this campaign. And for the record, Governor Lowe said the election had no impact on the Reserve's decision to lift rates. All right, the big question for a lot of people is, Sean, when will we have to start paying more now for our mortgage? Basically, the Reserve Bank has given the green light for the lenders to lift standard variable home loan rates, which account for around 80% of the market. Estimates suggest about 1 million mortgage holders 
have never experienced a rising interest rate environment. Really interesting. Just on that, Sean, I'm probably the perfect case study of this because my wife and I purchased our first property in, of, of all times, November 2010, which would have been about two weeks after the last rate rise we experienced. Beautiful timing. Oh, the timing is just exquisite. So that means yeah. that we've now had a glorious 11 years of no interest rate rises. So, hey, this is a first for me. Have you kept your interest repayments about the same? Yeah, we, we have really done our best to just keep the repayments the same to try and eat into that mortgage as much as, as, much as possible. So we do have a bit of that kind of buffer now as rates start to rise. Oh, well done. Well, give it a week, Michael, and I reckon you and pretty much everyone else will have been told by their lender that their rates are rising. It it doesn't necessarily mean that your home loan rate or personal loan rate will go up 0.25 percentage points. On one side of the coin, lenders might try and improve margins, so you might actually find even bigger jumps in interest rates. On the other side of the coin, they might want to be competitive and not pass through the full amount. We'll just have to wait and see about that one. If you want a sense of how much extra the repayments will be on a $500,000 loan over 25 years, repayments will rise around $65 a month. Million dollar loan, that's about $130 a month. How did financial markets respond to all this, Sean? Swiftly shall we say. The S&P ASX 200 fell nearly 40 points in the minutes after the announcement before clambering back to finish down 0.4% for the day to 7,316 points. The Aussie dollar had been trading lower but jumped more than one cent against the US dollar after the announcement. By the end of the day, it was trading around 71.1 US cents. In terms of sectors on the ASX, the tech and healthcare sectors did best. That's doesn't really follow the theory because they're the ones that are supposed to suffer most when interest rates rise, but a lot of this has been priced in already. Real estate and material stocks were the underperformers yesterday. Among the large caps, Fortescue was the worst performer, down nearly 5%. At the other end of the spectrum, zero was up nearly 2%. The banks were mixed. Big day, Sean. There is plenty more to discuss and we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, away from the economic news, what was going on in the election campaign yesterday? Well, not not a great deal, really. The early afternoon announcement pretty much dominated the rest of the day. Ahead of that, though, Scott Morrison told multicultural communities a re-elected coalition would ensure freedom to practice their faith. He also said the coalition would prefer to be relegated to the opposition than negotiate with independence on policies such as emissions targets. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese was spruiking his health policies or at least spruiking his health spending, more accurately, and he was also campaigning on rising cost of living issues. All right. Now, on the Star Group, Sean, I don't even know really where to start because there is just so much in this story. But yesterday, the former CEO of the Star, Matt Beckier, was defending his running of the casino group. This is still at the inquiry into whether it's suitable to hold a gaming license in New South Wales. Yes, there is so much in this. I'll give you some of the highlights, but, you know, go and read the transcripts. It is extraordinary reading. That's all I'll put it. Mr. Beckier agreed he directly approved billionaire property developer Philip Dongfang Lee's withdrawal of more than $22 million using his China Union Pay card over three days, but did not ask the anti-money laundering team to check the source of his funds. He agreed it was an extraordinary amount of money to withdraw on a debit card, 
hmm, but said it was acceptable provided it did not break any laws. According to the Financial Review, Mr Beckier also conceded he let the Star's controversial China Union pay scheme occur. He blamed Star's breach of both the CUP rules, that's the China Union Pay Rules, and the Casino Control Act on the fact that the scheme was an accepted industry practice. Hmm. Later in the day, he agreed it was very clear that National Australia Bank was trying to find out the true purpose of hotel transactions made on its bank cards and that the star's response was misleading. Mr Beckier also said he made the wrong decision to allow a high roller to gamble at the Star Sydney Casino, even though he was warned the high roller was reportedly under investigation by the Federal Police for money laundering. Michael, the inquiry continues. (laughs) That is a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that is a lot just from one day. It is exhausting trying to get through the information in that inquiry. Incredible. Oh, it is. It, look, it reads like a work of fiction. I mean, and look, there, there are all allegations at the moment. But, Absolutely, they are. But really, it is, it's an extraordinary one to be watching. So I look forward to seeing what you have for us tomorrow on that one, Sean. Moving on, Woolworths has reported a big jump in sales for the March quarter. This is in part due to food inflation. Yes, we heard something similar from Coles last week. Woolworths reported sales up nearly 10% during the quarter, while online sales were up 33%. Now, the period included COVID restrictions at the beginning of the year, and that helped the supermarket. CEO Brad Banducci said there hadn't been a major drop-off in customers since then. One of the big challenges for Woolies is getting stock on shelves. That's partly due to supply chain challenges and partly due to COVID-related absenteeism. Across the supermarket, prices on average increased 2.7% due to input cost pressures and fewer promotions. But Michael, the good news, apples and avocado prices have fallen. Ah, good. Sean Silver Lining Aylmer is back. (laughs) Well done. Now, billionaire Mike Cannon-Brooks, Sean, is proving to be a rather sizable thorn in the side of AGL Energy. He says he wants to block the demerger of the energy giant, which is due to be voted on next month. Mr. Cannon-Brooks, who made his fortune founding Atlassian and last month tried to buy AGL Energy as part of a consortium, has snapped up 11.3% of the company. Now, his goal is to stop the demerger of the clean parts of the business, think retail energy supply, from the dirty parts, think coal-fired power stations. The AGL board is pushing ahead with that plan and yesterday said it had done a deal with US money manager Global Infrastructure Partners to help decarbonise the dirty part of the business in coming years. Under that deal, the coal power sites would be converted to host renewable energy and storage. So what does all that mean then for shareholders? Well, the bottom line, AGL share price was down 2.4% in early trading yesterday. The demerger proposal needs 75% support, and now Mr Cannon-Brooks has 11.3%. He'll obviously vote against it means management and the board have to lobby pretty hard to get shareholder support ahead of the June 15 vote. All in all, that demerger is very much up in the air at the moment. Okay. Uh, Australia's third largest company, CSL, says plasma collection levels are back to pre-COVID levels. 
Yes, another part of the economy getting back to normal. CSL was hit hard by people not being able to go and give blood, basically. Mind you, they've had to pay higher donor fees to attract people back. CSL expects to make a net profit of around $2.2 billion this financial year. Not bad. Its share price was up 1.3% yesterday. Energy giant Santos held its annual general meeting yesterday, and shareholders weren't too delighted about the $6 million incentive payment made to Chief Executive Kevin Gallagher. Yes, Chair Keith Spence said it was appropriate given the company's financial performance and Mr Gallagher's leadership in areas such as carbon capture. He said Santos had been recognised for its leadership in carbon capture and storage. Certainly Santos's share price has soared, though that's as much about energy prices as anything else. One of the country's leading proxy advisory firms, Institutional Shareholder Services, recommended investors vote against the payment. Sean, the Victorian government released its 2022 budget yesterday with lots of new spending initiatives. Sure was. There's an election due in November in Victoria. It's probably hard to resist some of those spending temptations. The budget focuses on money to train and hire thousands more nurses, paramedics, teachers and police and included $2.6 billion for the Commonwealth Games. Net debt is rising in the next few years and the government expects to deliver a surplus in 2025-26. That means billions of dollars of deficits between now and then. The government will also establish a Victorian future fund funded by asset sales, although its exact goal is a little unclear. Sean, I thought this was an interesting one. Poultry group Ingham's has warned that feed costs have increased and earnings will be hit. Yeah, it's a consequence of the war in Ukraine. That region is the grain belt of the globe, but the disruption due to war is hitting businesses as far away as Australia. Basically, the cost of food is going up. That's hurting earnings. England's share price fell nearly 4% yesterday. And there were a bunch of earnings announcements yesterday as well. Yes, look, figures for the first three months of this half year are in. There's also conferences going on and it prompts companies to update the market. There was a bunch of them yesterday. Waste disposal business CleanAway said higher fuel costs will hurt its bottom line. E-commerce business Booktopia said there'd been a post-lockdown sales slowdown. Property management and development group Dexas said its business was performing better than expected. Car parts supplier Bapcor and kitchen appliance maker Breville confirmed or upgraded guidance, while online property group Domain said profit margins were expected to improve this half year. A very, very busy day on the market. Yeah, sure was. Moving on to overseas news, Sean, and we've talked a lot about the Reserve Bank, but in the US, the Federal Reserve is expected to lift interest rates there tomorrow morning, Australian time, and that's triggered a big jump in bond yields. Yes, 10-year bond yields touched 3% yesterday morning for the first time in more than three years. Now, that reflects expectations of higher interest rates. For investors, what's it mean? It means they can put their money into an almost risk-free bond and get a 3% return. Given the volatility in share markets and the sell-off in tech stocks, a risk-free 3% isn't a bad option for many investors. That bond rate will also feed into higher fixed-rate mortgages, higher borrowing costs for companies, and reduce the attractiveness of some sectors such as tech and healthcare. Speaking of tech companies, Sean, European Union regulators have charged Apple with breaking competition law by abusing its dominant position in mobile payments to limit rivals' access to contactless technology. According to the Financial Times, Brussels is concerned about Apple preventing competitors from accessing tap-and-go chips or near-field communication to benefit its own Apple Pay system. 
This is a familiar complaint in Australia, with banks making similar claims that Apple restricts third-party access to key technology necessary to develop rival mobile wallet solutions on Apple's devices. Michael, there will be a few bank CEOs very interested in the outcome of this one. Yeah, I'll bet. And Sean, a serious one to finish up on, the US Supreme Court might be close to striking down the right to abortion. Yes, that's according to a leaked draft majority opinion reported by Politico. If true, it would end nearly 50 years of constitutional protections for abortion established in Roe v. Wade back in 1973. When it comes to flashpoints in the US, few are bigger than abortion rights. The 98-page draft majority opinion, and it is only a draft, calls the landmark Roe v. Wade decision enshrining the right to abortion egregiously wrong from the start. Justice Samuel Alito, who wrote the majority opinion, said that Roe must be overruled. All right, we will keep an eye on that one. Obviously, that is just a that is a leaked document. And if it turns out to be true, that is going to be a significant story in coming days. All right, Sean, up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. And today we are speaking with Sherelle Murphy, Chief Economist at EY. That's right. We have a great chat about what the Reserve Bank said yesterday and exactly uh, the pickle the Reserve Bank and its Governor Philip Lowe finds themselves in. All right. That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 4th of May, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And why not have a go listening to us through your smart speaker? Just say, play the Fear and Greed podcast, and away you go. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.